Hi, Jerry. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I thought you hung up when you heard that I was calling people by the wrong name. My <laughs> colleagues called me out on that, Jerry. How dare they, eh? Oh, boy. Hey, no kidding. <laughs> you hung up on me. No, no, that's good. We're glad we have you back. Glad to have you back on the show. Jerry Bonham, once again, General Manager, Avalon Foundation Repairs. We're uh, talking all aspects of getting your home ready for the spring, and we thought we'd do it around the foundations for sure. Um, when the weather turns, like it should, minus 11 right now, but we're hearing zero tomorrow, minus one on Saturday. Any... Uh, uh, any tips for people to keep in mind when the snow does begin to melt? Well, sure. I mean, uh, you know, I, every year it's the same thing. What you want to do is, you know, especially if you're prone to having some water in the basement, is to take that snow away from the area where, where you're getting, if you get any in there. I mean, we're also telling people if you have window wells in your house to make sure they're all, nothing's obstructing there. So you want to clean them out, make sure that you can see the stone inside them. So when the snow melts, that the water is actually going to be able to drain through there. If you have a sump pump, um, you want to make sure that the discharge hose is on and clear, not full of ice, because we had a lot, a lot of people with uh, sump pumps backing up on them because they think the water is pumping outside, but of course it's not going to pump if it's freezing at night. The water in the hose will just freeze, and then your pump will just burn out. So, you know, those are the kind of things. I mean, if you if you have a lot of snow on your roof, you want to make sure that your your downspouts and boots are, are away from the house so that the, when the snow comes off the roof, because you can get a lot of water off the roof running right back towards your house. And, of course, that's going to enter the basement if, there, if there's a flaw in the wall. Those are all great, Jerry. I'm, I'm wondering also, when should people look to do this? Like when it's minus 20, can they do it? When it's minus 11, do they wait till it's zero? What What's the ideal? Well, I mean, it depend, depends, you know, what kind of access you got to the home and how much time you've got and how, and how much snow you've got there. I mean, in the winter, I've been telling people to leave it because it sort of helps insulate the home. You know, it's it's not bad to have that around there. But, it, you know, as soon as it starts warming up, you look at the forecast and say, okay, well, spring is going to be here. It's going to four or five, you know, and it's not going to freeze at night. That's usually what I look for is when it's not freezing at night anymore and it's still melting through the night, that's when people have the problems. We've had a lot of cases over the years where somebody will say, I've, got, I've had a problem yesterday, but I don't have a problem today. And, of course... Yesterday it was five, and today it's minus five. So, you know, as soon as it freezes, the water's going to stop again. So you, you want to just make sure that you're prepared as the weather comes, that you've got that snow away, or you make sure you've graded your yard. You can't really grade anything, so only thing you can do is take away the snow for now, right? And, and make sure it's not going to melt and run toward the house. And that's what I was thinking. Like zero and, and minus one or minus five at night seems like the appropriate time because it is freezing at night, but you're the expert. But I was assuming that too. It's it's way better than, you know, it's zero at night and then 11 during the day. That's probably a little bit too late to get a, a lot of snow away from your foundation. That's correct. I mean, that, that's that's what we want. I mean, you, you want to, you want a slow melt. So a slow melt to melt a little bit during the day, freeze at night you know, warm the next day and freeze at night, you know, that type of thing. Then uh, all of a sudden you, you look and the snow is all gone. You don't have an issue with it. But when we all of a sudden we'll get, you know, 10 degrees one day and it's going to be four at night and then 10 the next day, all of a sudden you've got all the snow melting. And like last year, you know, really it was totally crazy with all the big, big rain we had with all the snow. We had four feet of snow and then we had, you know, deluges of rain on top of that. So, of course, it all melted really quickly. You know, people were at the mercy of uh, the sewer systems, which a lot of the times they couldn't even handle the water that was going through them. 
Right. And that's what I wanted to ask you too, because I've heard some people that go, you know, two years ago or three years ago, and I'm not in particular in this time era, but three years ago, I had some, some issues in the past two springs, nothing. And then again, this year I did. That is predominantly based on the amount of snow and, and probably rain, is it not? Like can people's well, yeah. foundations have that where some years it's just, it's, it withstands what's melting as opposed to other years it doesn't? It depends on how it melts. That's that's the okay. thing. If it if it melts all at once and you've got too much water there, then of course then the water's looking for some place to go. If it's a little bit by a little bit, it may not come in. I mean, even when they do have water in your basement and you can see it in that wall. I mean, a lot of people have finished basements. I've still tell people to open up the wall because you don't want to get the mold and mildew, and then you you can see exactly what the issue is. Uh, last year we had so many people that never had water in their basement before. And a lot of it was condensation because of the cold winter we had and all the amount of snow. So we had a high humidity. So a lot of that moisture got behind the insulation, froze to the wall. And as soon as we got the warm weather, all that ice started melting. And uh, and they didn't get it all summer. They just got it in the spring. So if you only get it in the spring, it's a really good idea to open up the wall, especially above ground level. That's what you're looking to see if ice is formed above ground. Then you know that the warm moisture has risen up behind the wall and close to the wall. Right. And one thing I learned last year um, through having you on and other people too, Jerry, was the fact that like mold doesn't take a month or, or a couple of weeks. Like mold can form within 24 hours, can't it? Oh, sure, sure. It can be very, very quickly. So you want to, yeah, you want to make sure it's all dry behind there. Anyway, It's not going to all of a sudden get better by itself. Right. So I wanted to ask you about wait times because I know last year when we had you on, it was about a year and a half. How are wait times overall if people are having foundation problems? Yeah, I know. It's, it's, uh, I say I've been here for 44 years, my 44th year, and I, I've never seen anything like it. We're not taking appointments right now. We're telling people to call back and maybe late spring or even into summer. We're already booked for work and into the fall. Some people are lining up work right now or wanting to get done even in the, the next year. I know all the foundation guys are, are busy because, you know, just the way that the last year went, it was just overwhelmed everybody. So for people who did, like, say, last fall and still don't have somebody coming maybe till July or August or, or into the fall, uh, it's just best to leave those, those. What's the recommendation for people who do have issues but can't get their foundation fixed throughout this spring? Uh, leave those walls open. Make sure everything's dry. What's, what's some of the tips for the people who are yeah, having issues? That, yeah, well, if you know where the water is coming from, that, that, that's usually half the battle. You can start dealing with it. If you don't know... If it's just a finished basement wall and it, and it just leaks at the bottom, that's what we get called. People always say, well, it's leak. It's not leaking on the wall. It's leaking at the bottom. Well, of course, your finished wall is, you know, four to six inches away from the concrete wall. So the water just runs down the concrete wall. And, of course, it's going to show at the bottom. It's gravity. So the thing is you want to open it up to, to determine if it is coming through the wall. Even when you open up a wall, you see it wet at the bottom. You don't know if the water's traveling from another area and just running behind the bottom because in a basement frame they have two by fours and they'll have a, a bottom plate so if the water gets behind the water bottom plate it can just run either way you know one way to you can put even paper towels behind the, the, the stud on the wall and you put it in close and you can sort of see if it's getting wet on one side quicker than the other side then you can just go further down the wall to try to determine where it is the other thing you want to look at is you want to look in your floor drain because we had so many people with backed up uh, catch basins last year because it was so dry the previous few years that they just ignored it. Nobody had an issue. All of a sudden, we got all this water pouring through the reaping tiles, and, and maybe even in a slow melt, you wouldn't have an issue. But when there's torrents of water running through the sewer system and it can't get because your floor drains backed up, then 
it just backs up underneath the floor and you can even back up at your floor drain. So everything starts backing up. So uh, my advice is get a big pail of water, go to your floor drain, dump it in there and make sure that that water is going away as fast as it gets in. At least you'll know that the drain is working. Yeah, and and once you know where the water's coming from, Jerry, what's the best way to do it? Is it just towels? Is it like what's the re- recommendation? Well, yeah, depending on what it is. I mean, there's products on the market now that you can do a temporary repair. It would never be permanent. I mean, there's things speed plug, quick plug. If you've got a little crack in the wall, you can actually put that on there. The thing is, you don't want to leave it on too long because what'll happen eventually is that moisture is going to get trapped inside that wall, and of course, moisture freezes, it expands, you have more problems. Plus, it can eat away at the concrete. So that's why you'll see foundation walls that put a tar on them. The idea is to stop the sulfates from the soil from eating away at the concrete. So what you want to do is you don't want to trap the water in the wall, but depending on your, what you've got in your basement, you're, you're trying to stop the water from, of course, entering the basement. So, again, if you know there's a crack in the wall, you're going to make sure the eaves aren't running toward that area or you're going to make sure your grade is running toward there. So in the summer months, you can you know build the ground up a bit and slope things away and sort of look after that. And final question for you, Jerry, as you mentioned sump pumps, and I, I think that's a great one because the other thing I learned through doing stories like uh, this with yourself and others uh, throughout last year was the fact that they don't, uh, their life expectancy isn't as long as I think people assume. Like I know people who've had one 25 years. Um, what is the life expectancy of a sump pump or when should you, even though it's functioning, look at maybe up, upgrading it? I always tell anybody that's got a sump is they should have a spare because the, the, the time you're going to know when it's not working is the time you're going to need one. You know, you should always have a spare sump. If the sump goes, then you can at least you can change it right then and there. Right. It's not that difficult to, to change the sump, but you want to make sure that that sump is working properly. Right. So again, testing it, you can fill it with water uh, and make sure it's working now before the before the melt, at least you know you're pumping the water up and you're going to make sure that your exterior hose isn't frozen or stuck in the snow. We had a lot of that last year where people didn't realize. They said, well, I got a sump. I shouldn't have a problem. Meanwhile, the hose is full of ice outside, and so, so the pump just burns out. It just runs till it doesn't work anymore. Right. So and, and what is the life expectancy of one now? Well, I mean, they do vary, like you said. I mean, we normally will get like a one-year warranty on a sump, so we, we extend that a few years so people won't have to change the pumps every year, but we you never know. I've seen some pumps that uh, pump, and they've actually melted the ABS, so, I mean, they can just pump and pump and pump, and other <laughs> ones don't, so you, you it really varies. So there's no rule of thumb in saying, oh, this sump's going to last this long or, the, or not this long. I mean, the thing is a sump is... You only need it in certain circumstances, so you want to make sure it's working at that time. Right. Great stuff, Jerry. Always fascinating talking with you, and appreciate all the tips for our listeners. Uh, Jerry Bonham, General Manager, Avalon Foundation Repairs. If people are having, you're suggesting not to call? I've never done a, uh, had a guest on where we don't want them to call, but what should they do? Well, no, they can call. You can call us. I mean, we like, I'd like to give the advice as I can to sort of help people out, but our, our hands are tied as about trying to get there. If we Even to get out and have a look at it right now, it was, you'd have to, you know, wait till probably next year, or, or we don't even know when the, the work could be done. So that that's the thing is, if we go to a finished basement and it's got three feet of snow or two feet of snow on the exterior, we can't really see much. So the thing is, we we got to get the homeowners to go out there and, and do a little bit of, you know, finding what, what where this water is actually coming from because. The calls we get are normally, oh, we've got water in the basement. I don't know where it's coming from. I need someone to come out here and tell me. 
where it's coming from. And it, it's really difficult. Right. To and, and that's why we love having you on, Jerry, because even though you can't maybe fix a foundation this summer, you still like uh, helping people with tips for what they can do. So what is your number there at Avalon? It's 204-783-2500. Yeah, and if you can't get through, you just leave a message, and I'll definitely call you back. That's great stuff, Jerry. I always appreciate your time and your insight. Thanks for doing this. Okay. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for giving me a call. Continuing talking about preparing for spring, we're welcoming in my good friend Tim Muse from Green Blade Lawn Care. Tim, good afternoon. How are you? Good. How are you, Jim? Good, thank you. You're just at the State of the City address. I heard you uh, address the city and told everybody how to fix everything. <laughs> Not quite, but <laughs> yeah, I'm optimistic. Yeah, I would ask you, though, uh, in general terms, just how was the address? Uh, it was interesting. First yeah. one I've been to, but... Uh, you know, I'm optimistic. Uh, you got a lot of good things to say. So, um, I, I, you know, I'm hoping that uh, our mayor is going to have us turn in the right direction. Great. Uh, and we will be covering that as well this afternoon on 680 CJOB. So we'll get more details on that. Thanks for sharing that, Tim. Uh, preparing for the spring. Um, we just read the temperature. It's going to get up to uh, zero tomorrow, minus one on the weekend. When is the proper time to start looking at your lawn? Uh, well, you, should, you, you certainly want to start thinking about what you're going to be doing budget-wise, especially nowadays. Uh, start thinking about, uh, you know, what kind of lawn care program you might want to do. Uh, you know, trying to recall a little bit, how uh, what was your lawn looking like heading into the fall? You know, if it was looking a little rough, you might want to put a little effort, a uh, little extra effort into it uh, come this spring. We're coming off a bit of a dry winter. We're going to see, obviously, we got snow on the ground and it's, there's going to be a lot of melting going on. We're going to have a little bit of moisture to start the season, but we've had a pretty dry January and February and uh, March isn't looking a whole lot you know, better in terms of the moisture either. So there's not as much snow on the ground right now as we would typically see in, in, a, in an average year. So, um, you know, that's something to keep in mind too is, uh, is as we head into the spring. If we don't, uh, we don't have much rain come this spring, might have to pull the sprinkler out a little bit earlier than uh, middle of summer. Interesting. But, uh, uh, yeah, and I think also what we should do is that when we've had you on in the past, especially going into winter, you gave those great tips on what to do with your lawn prior to winter, and that's really where it pays off is in the spring, right? Absolutely. In the springtime, we go through, of course, the biggest growth spurt that your lawn is going to see. Uh, tons of moisture, uh, everything is bursting through and, and breaking through, and that is the best, the number one best time to really take advantage of root development. Is what you do in the springtime and how deep those roots get in the springtime is going to dictate how much water you're going to have to continue pouring onto that lawn, how well it's going to do when stresses start coming about uh, later on in the season. Nobody has too many problems in the springtime. It's later on in the season you start running into trouble if you didn't do what you should have done back in the spring. So uh, in the springtime, resist the urge to cut it too often, let it grow out, get all that dead thatch out of there before you do anything to it. But get the thatch out, give it an aeration, let it breathe a little bit, open those pores up uh, that have been so clogged and, and the compaction from the snow over the course of the winter. Get a, a good application of fertilizer on there to get that, take advantage of that spring growth spurt that your lawn undergoes and get it ready so that later in the season, you know, uh, resist that urge, cut it too short, but later in the season, that way you don't have to throw so much water on there. And we all know that water conservation is important and we don't want to be wasting, you know, and having to pour water on there and seeing that water bill go up you know, so do those things in the spring because it's going to pay dividends later in the season when you don't have to, you know, incur those expenses in that time and, and waste that water if you don't need to. But uh, spring is the time to be doing it. You can't 
it's a lot harder to grow roots in the middle of the summer without pouring a ton of water on it. So do it in the spring. You also know a lot about snow removal and, and wondering about that now. Like, so when you do this, do you wait till all the snow is gone from your lawn? Do you wait for a week after it's gone? Or is there things you should be doing now with snow on your lawn? Uh, no, you know what? I would stay off the lawn if you can. Um, you know, we just had a client the other day, yesterday, for example, asked us if we could go and blow a path across their lawn to help with drainage. I wouldn't recommend that kind of stuff because, uh, Wherever you do something like that, people, especially in uh, in neighborhoods with a front street where they have a, a path across the sidewalk, quite often they'll put patio stones there. But if you don't have patio stones, wherever you clear that snow, uh, you tend to get a lot of freeze-thaw going on there. And that causes a tremendous amount of damage. And come spring when the snow has all disappeared, a lot of those folks have a big, nasty, ugly brown patch that goes across. It takes a lot longer to repair itself than, uh, than anywhere else. So I would, I would say, you know, you see sometimes people shoveling snow off their lawn in the hopes they can get an extra day or two a, a head start on their neighbors. Uh, just, just, just let it melt naturally. Keep off the grass. Don't get things really started with your power raking or any of that stuff until, until the lawn is dried enough that, that uh, you know, it, it's not wet to the touch right on the surface. The soil is probably going to be a little damp, but, but hold off at least until the grass itself is, is dry to the touch. And then you're free to go. You don't want to cause any damage. And finally, Tim, of all the weather experts I've had on this station, you predicted we wouldn't have a bad winter and it wouldn't be as accumulative of snowfall. And you were right based on your gut and your your experience in the lawn care industry. I don't know if there's a award for this, if we should be paying you somehow, but um, I just want you to revisit that conversation. I know I'm having fun with you, and I, I like to joke about that as well, but you literally, from your experience in, in, the, in the industry you're in, you didn't feel like it was going to be anywhere near the kind of winter that we had last year. No. Uh, you know, snow clearing gives me ulcers. Um, I have tremendous anxiety over it. It costs me hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in expenses to get it done. So, you, you know, needless to say, over 27 years, I pay very, very close attention to the winter. But, uh, you know, I follow the patterns. I record everything. Uh, right now, I can tell, you know, folks that are listening right now, things are shaping up for an El Nino season next winter. Um, right now, the probability is, is starting to climb that that's what's going to happen for next year. Now, you, gotta, you know, so often we hear oh, El Nino means warm winter, but lots of snow. Well, that's not really true. Whenever you hear things like that, they're usually talking about the center of the universe, which is Toronto. So uh, for, for, for us here, what I can tell you about an El Nino year, if that is what's coming next fall, we're going to have to wait and see how the temperatures in the ocean off of, the, off of South America and the Pacific look. But uh, that is the engine that generates our snowmaking machine up here. And uh, if, if those trends do continue, we do have an El Nino season next year. I can tell you that nine out of the 10 El Nino years that we have had, uh, where we've had El Nino seasons uh, in the past 27 that I've recorded, have all resulted in less than average snowfall. So uh, my fingers are crossed. I mean, I'll go out on a limb and say that right now. But, uh, you know, we should probably talk before, before uh, next winter a little bit ahead of time just to revise that depending on what happens over the summer. But right now that's how things are shaping up, and I feel great about that. So, it's uh, you know, last year I, I think we're all owed a couple of good winters after last year's. Agree wholeheartedly. Always appreciate your time, Tim. We for sure will have you back before then and talk uh, summer lawns and stuff like that too, but look forward to the more forecasting of Tim Muse from Greenblade Lawn Care. All the best, my friend. Yeah, thank you.